This episode is sponsored by Arculus and Bullish. Stay tuned for more information on both of them later in this episode. What's up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, and this is the Wolf of All Streets podcast, where two times every week I talk to your favorite personalities from the worlds of Bitcoin trading, finance, music, art, sports, politics, basically anyone with a good story to tell. Now, 2021 was definitely the year of crypto, but we entered the year largely talking about Bitcoin and institutional adoption. But the narrative quickly changed throughout the year, heavily dominated by Web3, NFTs, play to earn, metaverse. Well, there have been people who have been building in that space and in the technological space in general for many, many years. We're probably not surprised by that development. One of them, obviously, is our guest today, Justin Kahn. Most of you probably know him for building Twitch and selling it, of course, to Amazon for a billion dollars. But he has a new platform and has been building heavily in the NFT and play to earn space. I really want to talk about that and what he sees as the future of the metaverse. Justin Kahn, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Scott. That was a great intro. Yeah, I told I told you I go totally <laughs> off the cuff. Every once in a while I nail it, and every once in a while it's a it's a it's a butcher job. So I'm glad we we did well today. <laughs> All right, awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on the podcast, and uh, happy to talk about everything Web three and anything else you want. Well, speaking of Web three, it's become somehow a dirty word already. <laughs> they, we we just rebranded it. We just rebranded it, and now it's already a dirty word. What do you, what do you think about that? Um, you know, I think that. I've got to say, I was like, my conversion to being red pilled on crypto happened over, you know, many years. And so I kind of understand, you know, if you had talked to me a year ago or maybe 18 months ago, I probably would have been like, well, I don't know what the use cases are. I don't understand them. I don't get how this is valuable. Um, You know, because I started buying Bitcoin in 2013 under the theory that like the FOMO, if Bitcoin worked, was going to literally kill me. So I needed to like have something, you know, and so uh, I YOLO'd like something into Bitcoin. And then I was like, Ethereum came out and I still didn't really think it was useful. But then I was like, well, obviously other people think it's useful. So I need to, I invested in some um, crypto funds, you know, to that were like covering, because I was like, okay, if this is, you know, this, there could be something here. Um, and then I, you know, I, some of my friends started crypto projects and I kind of followed along, but it was only like about a year ago where I was like really, believed like even as an investor like like i really believed as a more of an operator entrepreneur that there there was going to be the possibility of building more widespread apps that were kind of outside of DeFi, and i think that's what we're starting to see this year like see happen in the last year that's what got me really excited you know yeah do you think that it's a unfair stigma around venture capital and web3 or do you think that uh, those criticisms are partially correct you mean like Jack's criticisms on Twitter? Yeah, like, I mean, I think that Jack has somewhat made it a four-letter word, so to speak, Web3. And uh, I think personally, it's a bit unfair. My opinion is at the end of the day, it matters not who makes the money on investing in the platform, but how that platform affects the user and changes their lives. I, I mean, I think that's a good heuristic. I think Jack has a point, which is that a lot of VCs are investing a lot of capital, institutional capital into uh, web three projects and the, you know, the devil's in the details, right? It's just like, uh, any, you know, thing that's like a joint stock company, right. Or something like that, you know, like it could be owned. There's many different flavors, right. It could be owned by, it could be a co-op, you know, all owned by the employees or the, you know, people who make the company all the way through, uh, you know, a single, you know, a company that's owned by a single person, right. That's a complete dictatorship or family business or something like that. And so, um, you know, I think with a Web3 project, uh, they you see them started many different ways. Some of them are 
very community focused. There's some grant that's a token reward for the founders, but then there's like the majority of it is like distributed to the community in some way. And some are not, right? Like uh, some of them are more like, look maybe more like a traditional company with investors and stuff like that. So I think it's, you know, this it's hard to paint the whole thing with a broad brush. I think the interesting thing about Web3 is, you know, I was here for the whole Web2 thing. Twitch was kind of maybe one of the successful companies that came out of that. The idea and ethos behind Web2 was like, and I have a lot of friends who, you know, benefited from this. It's like, you were smart, you went and built a website that aggregated a market of some kind, right? Like a bunch of people coming to exchange something, right? Um, it could have been Airbnb or Uber or like Twitch. Those are all forms of markets. And then, you know, you kind of, if you created it and you grew it and you worked hard, you get to like rent seek this market forever. <laughs> so like that with the, you know, the global vacation rentals market or the global like web streaming market, like these are pretty big markets. And so, you know, and that's not really, we weren't explicitly doing it at the time, but then you have to think like, is that the way you want the internet to work? And so I think the idea that there is a, uh, you reward the people who make the community, you reward the people who make the market in some format, that ethos, you know, which is embodied in a technology, but not necessarily, you know, um, you know, it's like, I think crypto with crypto is both the technology and the ethos. Um, is I think that's interesting. And I think that's, for a lot of people, they're saying, oh, that's the way the internet should work. And so that's what's driving these, this, you know, a lot of the crypto interest and enthusiasm, I think, today. Yeah, that's interesting. It's to my point. I think that a lot of people's main criticism is that it's not fully decentralized or doesn't live the dream of that full decentralization. But there's a sliding scale, as you sort of touched on, right? And you can make massive improvements without going all the way. And maybe it eventually gets there. Yeah, I think there's probably different types of decentralization. You know, there's decentralization of ownership, there's decentralization of control, there's decentralization of, um, you know, like uh, in, in a security sense, right? And I think that not all of them have to progress at the same rate inside of projects. You know, and decentralization is a not binary, it's a scale, a sliding scale. And I think a lot of projects now are starting in a more centralized way so that they can do product development and iteration with the goal of moving towards a much more full decentralization along those scales. And, you know, it's like um, in any human relationship or engagement, there's going to be some level of trust, right? Like, so obviously, you know, here in some of these new projects where you might argue, oh, it's not fully decentralized. Yes, you're doing, there's some level of trust inside into the project owners, et cetera. But like, you know, it's, it's less than, when, you know, in the full web two model, right? Where they're just saying, hey, we can do anything what we want. We own your data. We can do literally anything to you. We can kick you off the website at any moment, you know? And so, you know, you can argue what's this degree of decentralization, but I think it's a good thing generally that we're moving to a world where there's more decentralization along all those axes. I 100% agree. It's not as binary as do I trust Mark Zuckerberg or not, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, I think where people sort of like get lost in that battle. So you talked about going down this rabbit hole and starting to really kind of become a believer in the last year, year and a half. Well, I guess becoming a believer as an investor or on the sidelines and then choosing to actually innovate and build in the space are two very different things. So can you talk about what you're building and why you decided with probably endless options of things you could do to build in this space? Yeah, so, um, you know, it really happened because I'm, I'm primarily interested in you know, consumer apps, apps that people interact with, normal people interact with that make, you know, that normal people touch on a, on a daily basis. Like, I think that, 
um, as an investor, you know, investing in across the space and and in um, DeFi and things like that, were like, okay, you know, it's interesting to make money, but it wasn't really my passion, right? And so, for me, uh, I think when I there were two kind of elements that convinced me that like this would be something that's interesting to build on myself, right? And uh, those two things were one, like I think there were a lot of innovations with layer twos or layer ones like Solana, where technically a high transaction rate application is now possible, you know, mm-hmm. um, with Ethereum layer, you know, with Ethereum, it's like, yeah, if you're doing DeFi transactions that are tens of thousands of dollars, or you're buying like, you know, NFTs that are like rare, you know, fine art or something like that, that are, you know, high price point, then like the gas fees and like low transaction rate don't really make a difference. But if you're trying to do something like in gaming, where you might do many transactions, like I think that starts to become more important. Um, so I saw what my friends at the uh, Audius project were doing uh, with their music uh, app. And, you know, I was like, oh, they made a music app that is completely transparent to the user um, or opaque, sorry, to the user that it's crypto when you first log onto it. You know, it's, it, it doesn't, it, it, you don't have to install MetaMask. You don't have to, you know, do anything special. It like plays like a normal Web2 app. And that was very interesting to me. And then, um, I have some friends who started a company called Brain Trust, which is a decentralized um, marketplace for freelancers, uh, for uh, you know, like programmers and designers. And for the longest time, I didn't really understand why it should be crypto. And I was talking to them, to Adam and Gabe, and they were like, "Look, this is a way to get you know." They they onboarded hundred thousand freelancers before they launched, and they were like, "This is a way that we can get this huge army of people on our team." And it's a you know, if you think equity, like, and deploying equity to your couple hundred employees in the Silicon Valley company is a great way to motivate people. Well, think of this as a way to distribute ownership among a much broader base of supporters all around the world that make your community and reward them accordingly for doing all the work. And to me, that was like, oh, that's obvious. You know, like, that's how, if we were creating Twitch today, we would have done it in a Web3 way because the people who do the work deserve to be compensated and justly rewarded for it. Will we see a platform like Twitch that operates in that manner on Web3? So, uh, you know, I've talked with my friend Bology about this uh, a couple of times. And one of the things he thinks is going to happen, like there is a strong network effect among these existing platforms, right? Like now people go to Twitch, they type in twitch.tv in order to discover, you know, some stream. They, they go, you know, it's, it's uh, just like I might go to Netflix, not to watch a specific program, just to see what's on, you know, it's like turning on my TV or whatever. Um, I think there is a strong network effect in the Twitters, Twitches, <clears throat> Reddits, et cetera. I think what you will see is these companies potentially embracing aspects of decentralization. You know, reportedly Jack was interested in doing that with Twitter. Um, you know, there's probably, you probably heard rumors of other companies. I think there is um, a lot of these CEOs are interested. You know, they came of age in the internet when the promise was openness, right? And like, it turns out it's a really good business model not to be open, but like, from a values perspective, I think a lot of people are interested in figuring out how to uh, create a free and open internet. And so I think the opportunity is for some of these big companies to embrace decentralization and to, and, and there's a huge economic motivation to do that as well, I think. Um, so that, that might be one possible way that it happens. Or, you know, there are upstarts that are trying to do social and um, network effect companies. I think that's, that's hard. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know what will happen. Maybe the next social media will be on, uh, you know, in a Web3 format. It's interesting because I think a lot of people ideally would love to see a Twitch that operates on 
blockchain rails, but even with Solana and its speed, I don't think maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. You know much better than me, but I don't think that you could operate the entire Twitch platform on a blockchain. I don't think any of this, them are fast enough or can scale, but you could still have the aspect of incentivizing the users and the people who are actually creating it and have sort of that aspect of what we love in crypto. Am I off base or, I mean, could this operate on a blockchain right now or is it way too much information happening way too fast? Well, I believe that Theta, you know, one of the projects that I kind of advise early on is doing video live streaming and videos and, you know, they have their whole blockchain now has, um, you know, built a lot of technology that can support um, scale. Uh, I don't know what that's, you know, I'm, I'm not up on it technically, so I don't know the full extent of that scale yet. Um, I think that it's kind of like you said, you could do it progressively, right? You don't necessarily need all the video streaming. You could, you could do an incentivization model, which I think is perhaps in some ways the most important model and have that be on a blockchain um, without necessarily having, you know, all the bits from streaming, right? Like the streaming bits going through a blockchain. We already have like pretty good streaming solutions that are high scale right now. Um, so, you know, that would be, that would be one way to do it, you know? Yeah. So what are you building exactly? Obviously, Fractal, you co-founded, recently launched. Can you talk a bit about what that is and, and why you're building that? Yeah. So, um, well, you know, I watched over the last year, I watched this, you know, looking for projects to uh, work on uh, that I thought would be interesting, uh, you know, and bring something new to the world. And I've been thinking about digital spaces for a long time, obviously with Twitch. And then recently, you know, talked to a lot of companies as an investor of like that are you know trying to build different parts of the metaverse and really just trying to understand and like think about what what that's going to look like you know in the in the future is it like are we ready for like ready player one or you know what's what's the what's the digital world going to look like and um saw nfts happening and for me nfts was this light switch of like okay it's if people are valuing digital assets you know not not just currencies, but digital assets for the first time. Like there's durable value in these digital assets. And, you know, if I just, as I thought more and more about it, at first these were mostly art and sort of maybe community, like things that let you into a community or something like that. But uh, it became very obvious to me, gaming is the next step. There's lots of people working on gaming. There haven't been that many games launched themselves, but obviously, you know, their gaming has a 20 plus year history of people valuing in-game items, right? Like whether it's back in Ultima Online, which is the very first MMO that I played or something like World of Warcraft or EverQuest or RuneScape all the way through to like Fortnite skins and Counter-Strike skins. You know, people care about these things that they have in-game and are willing to trade them. And there's like economic value, black markets, like trading on eBay or, or um, these like random escrow sites that kind of prove that. And so to me, it became very obvious, like the next wave that's going to be even bigger of NFTs of, you know, is durable in-game assets um, that are for blockchain games. And by creating an open economic system inside your game, you could unlock a lot of value. And so Fractal is a marketplace for players to discover, buy and sell uh, in-game NFTs or gaming, gaming assets. And uh, the goal is really kind of run the same idea playbook that we did with Twitch, which was build a really community community focused around gaming, uh, specifically gaming streaming. We want to do the same thing for uh, gaming NFTs and partner with the best gaming companies out there to uh, help them, uh, you know, meet and match with players. They talk about community. I read that you guys built over a hundred thousand person discord channel in a matter of weeks, maybe a week. It was, uh, I think about 10 days. Yeah. 
clearly, clearly there's something happening there. Yeah, we built it pretty quickly. You know, people um, were really excited about the project. I think really there's a lot of excitement around gaming, uh, blockchain gaming. And, you know, obviously there's been some big successes so far, but I think, you know, we're just in the first pitch of the first inning here. Like it's, you know, the, the, there's so many people who are from a gaming background now that are working on games and we're going to start to see really fun game experiences come out. And so, you know, I think there's this huge amount of excitement that we were able to kind of harness. Yeah. So let's suspend reality for a bit. You kind of touched on the fact that we're at the very first pitch of the first inning, which I 100% agree with. What does the metaverse look like in a year, five years, 10 years? Is it the ready player one reality that you sort of touched on? Or is it each person sort of finds their game and that's their metaverse? Is it a way that the, you know, the real world comes to interact with us without being sort of, sort of, you know, in our Oculus or, or whatever, what's your vision for what the metaverse will become? Yeah, I think it looks a lot like websites, right? Like, you know, there wasn't one monolithic website that like everybody used for everything. There was, it turns out that there's a lot of different sites that fulfill different functions. And I think similarly, there's going to be a lot of different, um, you know, metaverses or, or universes, digital universes where people are that fulfill different functions for people. And so there's, I see all these different cool experiences coming out. You know, people are creating MMOs, uh, people are creating digital spaces. There's a project I just uh, did a podcast with called Portals, which I'm, uh, is pretty cool. They're building on the Solana blockchain. And it's like a digital house, you know, where you can, uh, digital apartment, and they're all laid out in a city and they're going to do like the city, you know, downtown, you know, they're building a downtown. So people can kind of buy their property and then host anything like a meetup or party, or they have their own like, you know, digital space. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, Animal Crossing or something like that. You know, people get that creative, like nesting um, uh, vibe and they have a lot of amazing creation tools uh, already. And so, you know, I think that we're going to see something like that. There's going to be more traditional games, you know, RPG games and, and uh, things like Star Atlas, where it's like a whole, you know, space universe. And the thing that about NFTs is like the economic value that you put in, you'll be able to take with you, right? So like, if you invest all this time in like building Star Atlas spaceships and like, you know, earning game, you know, currency in the game or, or whatever, you'll be able to, um, you know, it's all digital and it's, and it's, it's all on blockchain. So what will, people will be able to build experiences on top of that. You know, it'll be able to be financialized. You'll be able to sell it, you know, kind of all these people will be able to build new developer experiences on top of it. And that to me is like the most interesting thing is the idea of like what kind of programmable experiences could be created on top of these atomic units. You so know, you think it, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Like if you look at like, like it's, it's kind of like HTTP or HTML was invented, right? Like, and when, when, um, you know, the web was first invented, like you would never have been able to guess that that would turn into Twitch, right? Or Airbnb right. or something like that. Like you'd never have guessed it. You'd just like, at first it was just like web pages and links and very basic. And then people started to do basic commerce. And then there's like infinity amazing experiences now, right? On the web. And I think that same is true. It's like, okay, you're gonna create all these atomic units of value that represent things in games. You know, they can represent characters or items or, you know, digital property or land or whatever. And like, what are the things that people are going to, uh, create downstream the experiences for people. And to me, that's like really exciting, you know? 
Guys, I'm so excited to tell you about this new crypto cold storage solution called Arculus. Their cold storage technology keeps your crypto keys off the internet and on an Arculus keycard. With no cables and no USB connections, it insulates you from the thousands of hacking attempts that happen online every single day. You can store, swap, and send your crypto all with a simple tap of your Arculus keycard. And if someone were to get a hold of your card, it doesn't even matter because they have three factor authentication, ensuring that the only person with access to your crypto is you. Guys, you can check out Arculus at thewolfofallstreets.link slash Arculus. That's A-R-C-U-L-U-S. Secure your assets, secure your future with Arculus. What are the wildest ideas? What are the wildest ideas of what that could become? Because obviously, I mean, we all, like you said, I think we all have this sort of shared vision, understanding from existing games, right? And yeah. What it can be and what we can build. But What's the craziest thought of what that could look like in 10 years? That, that's the fun. That's the great thing is I don't even know. All my ideas, I think, are boring ideas, right? I'm like, right. there's going to be lending, right? Like lending's like a, such a boring idea. It's kind of obvious, but like you're going to be able to take your digital assets and then like lend them to other people and they'll, be, they'll become like assets, you know, uh, yielding assets for you if they're, you know, something valuable. Um, just like you could put your car on get around or something like that. But I think that's a really boring idea to be honest. Or you could imagine like a digital land, like there could be like people would, could create mortgages for like you to buy like a digital piece of property. If it's like, you know, kind of mirrors the real world actually. I think like everything that happens in the real world is gonna happen in the digital world, but then there's gonna be like new and crazy experiences that we haven't even thought of yet. And I don't know what they are because I'm probably not the most creative person. I'm just like, you know, but I'm excited to see what they are. We get to do it, but as aliens, it's like the real world yeah. where we can be aliens and, and uh, animals and, and creatures. But I, I wonder if we're going to really, you know, a few years down the road, maybe not my generation, I don't know, but younger, if you're just going to plug in and that's going to be the real life and sort of your now, what is your real life becomes your second life. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things that the real life, you know, in the, in the, in the physical world have going for us still, you know, I've used Oculus and stuff and I don't think we're quite, quite there yet. But um, I think it's just like flavors of identity, you know, just like in your, in your real life, you have probably have different, you know, social spaces, like you might go to school, you might have a job, you have friends, you have your family, and you present as a different person in slight ways, you know, not maybe, you know, not fully different, but like you're, you're different in the way you present at work versus the way you present to your family versus the way you present to your kids, your friends, whatever. And the digital world just expands that number of spaces where, you know, you might be a completely different person with different motivations and different relationships when you're inside of, uh, you know, portals or you're inside of soul chicks or, you know, and if you, I mean, it already exists, right? It exists on Discord, on Twitter, on um, in, inside of like MMORPG games. So it's like, I'm not telling you something that doesn't exist already. It's just going to be further, deeper and more expanded, you know? Yeah. What's interesting is these really aren't new ideas, right? I mean, the like creators of Second Life and The Sims and stuff must be scratching their heads and just wondering if they were too early, right? Do you think that a lot of the ideas that we had before, just the technology wasn't ready or people weren't ready? Uh, and now we're finally getting to a time where like we can do it at scale? Yeah, I think part of it is technology enabling people to be in the right mindset, right? Like it's like, you know, all of this could be done with, if you trusted a centralized authority enough, like you could, you know, the, the people did ascribe a lot of value to like Fortnite skins or something like that, right? And like if Fortnite made it like an open economy, that would probably like work like 90% of the way or maybe 50% of the way, you could probably debate that, right? In terms of creating like people creating 
having a lot of faith on, on top of it. Like the US dollar is funded by centralized, is backed by you know centralized authority and like works fine for like a huge amount of tra transaction volume, right? Like you don't necessarily need Bitcoin, but the decentralization the, the of Bitcoin gives people a lot of trust in a different way, right? And so I think the same is true of kind of like NFTs and Fortnite skins, right? That you could have a whole economy on Fortnite. It's just like psychologically, both the owners of the company there, you know, um, epic and then also like the people probably weren't there yet right and so now nfts and like the technology behind nfts and putting these assets on the blockchain is enabling people to be there mentally to say oh these digital assets have real value you know i could spend time earning them and that's like not a waste of time i can like trade them and they're owned by me you know yeah i i always seem to come back to this but Axie Infinity is an example of what's possible. To me, it's really mind-blowing what happened to it this year because it's not a great game, right? And it's very complicated for people to get into. Like your average person doesn't necessarily know how to open a MetaMask wallet, buy Ethereum, transfer it to a Ronin wallet, start playing this game. But people find a way and people that maybe you wouldn't have expected because the amount of money that they can make doing this is just more than they can make in their real lives. So I try to imagine that when it's actually Fortnite or, you know, one of these much better games that people really love or what can be developed. I mean, if people will play Axie Infinity for a living and it's kind of like 90s Tamagotchi, right? Like what's possible when this does scale to the best games in the world? Yeah, and obviously they're gonna be at a much different scale, much, you know, and the economies will be huge. You know, the economies will be the size of countries. Yeah. And why would you ever work in the real world again if you could go play a game and make more money? <laughs> well, yeah, as the founder of Twitch or one of the co-founders, I'm not like the, uh, I can't say that like, you know, making money online is, is, is bad. I think it's really empowering for a lot of people, but you know, we, it's good to have a diversity of jobs where people can try you know, different things that resonate with them. Like, I think some people will still want to work in the real world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I certainly don't mean everyone. I just mean that there's a lot of people. But there's going to be a shit ton of people who are going to exactly. There's going to be a shit ton of you who want to work in digital jobs in online inside games or a game who may not have even had access to opportunity in the real world, and that may really they really be like where they're driven to go because they at least have a shot, which is that's, pretty mind blowing. I mean, it's 100 percent true. The internet's been this amazing equalizer to bring opportunity to the corners of the world that you know don't necessarily have it. And um, I think it's very fashionable in some circles. Like when people talk about Axie, a lot of people in, you know, outside of crypto are like, oh, you know, it's like a Ponzi scheme or like people are just doing this like meaningless work or whatever. But, you know, obviously they're doing something that there's a, it's a better alternative to what they were doing before, you know? And so now can that be improved? Can there be a diversity of experiences? For sure. But like, I, I think that um, it's an only good thing when you create more opportunity for new kinds of jobs that reach more people around the world. Twitch did that, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, if that, I don't know if that was your intention when you started it, obviously. And I, you know, obviously, I was never huge into gaming, but I was always superficially aware of Twitch. But then I saw, you know, crypto guys start using Twitch to do trading live streams and all these other sort of things. And I was a DJ for twenty years, and when COVID hit. Every one of my friends started streaming live sets and I found myself on Twitch watching all of my friends DJing every weekend, you know? Yeah. And so I, maybe that speaks to the fact you're saying like you sort of, we build these things and we have no idea what they're going to be in 10 years. Did you ever think that that's what Twitch would become? Was that part of the vision? I mean, of course not. Right. I'd be lying to you if I was like, yes, that's, we thought it all the time, you know, from the beginning, 
Yeah, at the beginning, actually, Twitch started off as a site called Justin TV, where we streamed everything. Like it was anyone could broadcast anything. I used and, to watch. <laughs> yeah, the the funny thing is, like, a lot of these, you know, hot tub streams or IRL streams or DJ streams, that's stuff that like people tried ten years ago, didn't really have an audience, and then now that Twitch has aggregated this amazing audience and has diversified, it's kind of like we narrowed our focus to grow, and then now we're it's it's opening back up, and I think that's really. Um, you know, personally, that's really cool to see, you know. I mean, I remember Justin TV, actually, and I remember following, I mean, it was you with a webcam on your head, right? I mean, basically, <laughs> yeah. and you were like the real life Truman Show. Exactly. It started, started off from, you know, really starting from the bottom, but, you know, it was a lot of fun. We had, it was an experiment. We did this experiment to broadcast my life live to the internet. Now, um, it's 2007, so 15 years ago. And that's how it started. And then that's a company that eventually turned into Twitch, um, you know, and eventually now it's, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. And did you ever, uh, when you started Twitch, think that you'd be selling it to Amazon for a billion dollars? No, I remember in the beginning, we were like, if we can each make a million dollars, we'll be set like that. It would be insane. <laughs> you know, that was like in 2006 or whatever, when we were starting off. So obviously it's gone uh, pretty well since then, but um yeah, like you never know what's going to happen. Like that's why I really love Web3 actually kind of close the loop. It's like, it feels like the early days of when we were building Web2. It's like people are just experimenting with things. We don't know what the atomic units are and we're just like trying different stuff uh, and seeing what works. And there's a lot of like excitement around building again, you know, versus I think the last 10 years of innovation on in Web2 has mostly been about business model innovation. You know, it's not been technology. It's like, okay, like, we can put, you know, X service on the internet or Y service works. So let's put X service on the internet and like, you know, or uh, this model works in this kind of enterprise SaaS. So let's like bring it to this other kind of like enterprise software that hasn't been SaaSified yet. You know, just yeah. like not, not as interesting. Right. We obviously have this example where Facebook rebranded to Meta and is effectively, I mean, arguably like the biggest, you know, one of the biggest web two platforms in the world is, is effectively saying, Hey, we're transitioning to web three, right? We're going all in on this. Do you think that web two and web three sort of become separate and parallel rails? Or do you think that we eventually have this just transfer of web two sort of blends in and becomes web three because it's, you know, the better way? I don't know. I think there's an innovator's dilemma with Facebook where will they truly embrace web three? You know, they kind of tried to with their, uh, Libra project, which got renamed. I can't remember what it turned into. Yeah, but it was like, Libra, then DM, and then they started using Paxful stablecoin, basically, in their Novi wallet. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, um, you know, I don't know. I haven't been, you know, like I said, I don't like really, I'm not like a DeFi person. I don't, so I haven't really followed it closely, but like, it just seems like I'm not sure that that did it, did it turn into anything. Like, can they, if, you know, they have like, they have this entrenched, you know, it's like if you are a, um, existing web two company, you have the opportunity to, you know, you could, I don't know, create a, like Twitch, for example, Twitch could do this, like, cause I know Twitch the best, right? Twitch has these sells bits, right? All the bits are like, it's like a Twitch centralized currency, right? And those are rewarded, used to buy things and reward streamers in the chat. And like, you could make that whole thing a decentralized uh, token and reward all the people who are participating in that. Um, uh, ecosystem tokens for like being part of it. And then your, uh, you know, your, your streamers would share in the upside of like, you know, if there was like growth in the value of these tokens and maybe create some sort of deflationary mechanism so that there's like built-in growth potentially. Um, 
and then Twitch could hold back some like large percentage of these tokens for themselves as like the way to accrue value to the company for doing this. They could do that, but there's a huge amount of like risk, right? And it's a, it's a kind of a massive innovator's dilemma to like take that leap and you're putting at risk this business that's probably worth 10 plus billion dollars, right? And so are they going to, I don't know, like I think they should, but I think it's probably hard to make that decision. And so um, with Facebook, it's like, but their business is way better. It's their business is two orders of magnitude better than Twitch. So like, are they going to do that? I, I don't know. I think it's hard to make that decision. Yeah. I seems like a lot for somebody to basically give up all of their control and most of the monetary incentive to, to the people. <laughs> yeah. is the dilemma that we have. <laughs> and, and like, like you said, I mean, your average Facebook user probably doesn't care about putting on an Oculus and living in the metaverse, right? Yeah, I think I think the Oculus, I think the hardware side is hard to do and they've done a tremendous investment in hardware. So I wouldn't underweight that. Like, I do think that's potentially a very interesting vector. To me, it's like maybe starting to inflect, you know, I have more people who are have an Oculus and they like use it, <laughs> like as opposed to, you know, a year ago or two years ago. Uh, so, you know, that's something like I even have one around here somewhere, but, um, but like, you know, it's just a question of like how much, what's the share of time that people spend within that versus on their phone or like on their computer or like outside or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how that evolves over time, you know? Yeah. But that would be the X factor because I think they have this, like, you know, this property that's the best version of it and it's hard for people to catch up and they're likely, you know, going to have this lead for a while, and so if it turns out that people want to spend all this time in, you know, inside of a virtual uh, environment, then maybe they're really well positioned because they have like, you know, the app store and they can like decide who gets to be in there or not. You know, it's kind of like your iPhone. Yeah, I love my Oculus. I just don't love the idea of like space, Facebook knowing what I'm doing at all times inside my Oculus. <laughs> it's yeah, not, not, not really ideal. And But that, you know. And that sort of comes back around, like, are you going to choose as an average person to live in the sort of Zuckerverse, Zuckerverse, or are you going to choose <laughs> to live in one of these more decentralized, even if not fully decentralized metaverses, right? Uh, I mean, I think your average person is going to, actually, maybe your average person doesn't care as much as I would like to think they do. And maybe your average person does go for the, you know, the Zuckerverse. Well, I, I think that there's... You know, I, I would give people more credit than we think. I mean, I think it was very fashionable for the last five years. Like during the Trump presidency, people were like, oh, the average person is just like getting their fake news on Facebook and doesn't give a shit. But I think the cool thing about crypto is like, it's an ethos and people are waking up to like, hey, you know, there's this kind of like distrust of authority. That's, I think, a generational idea. And people are like, have you know, interested in their own sovereignty and owning their own assets. And so... I wouldn't be surprised if there was, you know, I think you're already seeing, starting to see that in the younger generations of like people who are like not as interested in Facebook or like big companies owning their shit. And so they want like want an alternative. So I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what happens, but I do think that's a trend. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is the reason that so many of us are just so bullish on crypto in general, like meta, metaverse, NFT, Bitcoin, it doesn't matter. I just don't no. think that people have the boomer, like buy shiny rocks and bury it in your yard mentality anymore. Yeah. I just don't think see a future like that. So listen, you've obviously you you developed Twitch and then you became a partner in Y Combinator. So you've dealt with thousands and thousands of new ideas and companies, I'm going to assume in that. Yeah, world. I think I funded, you know, 150 in my groups and then like personally I've invested 150 companies. We interviewed thousands of companies to 
to get there, you know, and over the years, Y Combinator hasn't funded, I think, 4,000 plus companies. It might be more now, you know, it's like 500 uh, every six months. So it's, it's a lot, you know. Right, with Coinbase being one of them, right? Obviously, so uh, yes. and being one of the uh, the most uh, biggest success stories, obviously in crypto. But we have a lot of people I, I know that listen and, and reach out quite often who have ideas in the crypto space and are looking to build them. What's the sort of very basic advice to a new entrepreneur who wants to build something in the crypto space or or elsewhere? Well, I think it's the same, like you know, crypto versus non crypto. I think it, it's really there's the same, there's some tactically different advice, maybe, but like, I think you want to start with figuring out what's the product of the, you know, what's the, what's the problem you're solving? Like whose problem are you solving? Identify the customers, talk to those customers and build a product that fits, suits their needs. And then like create a very tight iteration cycle between those customers and your product development process. You know, and obviously you need to recruit an engineer if you're not one to work with there. And, uh, you know, I, I won't go into that because that's like the, that's the question that everyone always has. Like, how do I find an engineer to build my great how do I idea? I build it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, now there's lots of ways that you can learn how to program online. Right. And so, um, you know, by way of explanation, like that's what we did with Fractal, right? We started Fractal, working on Fractal probably just over a month ago. So maybe five weeks ago. And um, we, you know, I rec recruited some friends of mine who were on the engineering and product side. We went, uh, spec'd out like what's a, you know, what's a very basic marketplace look like. Uh, we started building that. We started talking to game companies. We, and just, the goal is talk to game companies. It's the same playbook as Twitch. It's like at Twitch, we were like, let's talk to the streamers. How do we make your life better? That's what we asked them. How do we make your life better? What do you want? Turns out they wanted two things. They want more fans or love, as my co-founder Emmett calls it. And they want money, right? Because they want to be able to do this for a living. You know, it's not greedy. It's like people want to be able to do what they love as their profession. You know, so we focused our entire efforts on how do we get them more views, more streamer, more fans, more viewers, and how do we get them more money? And then Twitch became, I mean, that would just start the flywheel and then Twitch became Twitch, right? So here it's the same thing, talking to the gaming companies. What do you, what, what can we build to support you? How do we make your launch of your NFT collections better? How do we support you with software that, you know, you might want to integrate inside your game? And then we're just building that and then repeat the cycle, you know, over and over. And uh, you touched it. on it. It's been five or six weeks. You already started and you have a fully functioning business, which seems kind of mind blowing. If you, if you yeah. think about it, that I don't think anyone could really launch that fast uh, in previous, you know, generations. And I think that that's something that you can actually do now. But that means you're obviously at a very beginning level of what you're intending to build. So what, you know, what do you see the future of Fractal specifically, you know, further down the road as you iterate further? Yeah. So it's, it's really about empowering, you know, I think with any business, you have to think who is your North Star customer, right? For us, it's gaming companies. Like I know, I don't want to be a gaming company because I don't think I'm creative enough as a gamer, you know, game creator to like know what's going to work. But I do think people are going to recreate really incredible experiences here. And I just want to build the software and community tools to support them. And so, you know, what we know, what they want, they want to like drop their NFTs. They want to have a successful sale. I think in a lot of ways, the NFT sale is the new Kickstarter to launch a game, to raise capital uh, for a game. Uh, one of my Twitch co-founders just launched his own gaming company and they sold, you know, NFTs as a pre-sale um, before Fractal launch, unfortunately, <laughs> somewhere else. Uh, but, you know, he's, he sold millions of dollars of them to like fund their company. And, and that's pretty cool, right? Like, you know, you don't have to 
raise venture financing necessarily, or you don't have to raise as much, um, you know, to do it. So, you know, he started that he's, he's, um, you know, he kicked that off. And then now, um, you know, so I think, I think one of our, the way what we're doing is we're figuring out how, how do we have help people do, you know, impactful, create impactful marketplaces around their NFT collections uh, as uh, you know, one part of it. And then eventually it's like, how do we help them, bring those marketplaces into their games? How do we help them build tools uh, to, you know, manage their NFTs and like support um, these NFT collections um, and maybe the interactions that players are going to have with them? Um, how do we help them market better uh, to our audience? Um, there's a lot of specific features, I guess, like that we've heard from people of like what they want, but, you know, I won't go into those because they're kind of esoteric, but like, you know, it's basically the idea is let's support the game's the game companies as best as possible to have the highest impact possible. Right. You don't, you don't need to uh, invent or create the coolest game. You just have to, uh, you know, give them the tools that they need. It's sort of the picks and shovels approach for all of these games. Exactly. I'm not going to invent the coolest game. Like I already know that, like I'm, you know, and so the picks and shovels and, you know, if we do right by the gaming companies, we do right by the uh, players. That's the most important thing. You know, that's all we're, that's all we can ask for. Yeah. And the, one of the biggest crypto narratives also this year, obviously, has been regulation and seemingly that they want to deem everything on the planet, not called Bitcoin, a security. And then you describe the process of minting NFTs basically to fund a company. I definitely, you know, I, I'm a bit nervous that that will in some way at some point run afoul of whatever future regulation they're planning. I don't think it should, to be very clear. I just I'm curious as to how regulators are going to start handling that if it's really being used to, you know, fund companies. Well, I think, you know, fund, uh, fund a company might be the wrong word. It's really funding the development of a game. Right. Right. And you can sell like, I mean, imagine we were selling suits of armor, right. And like you could buy a suit of armor, a commemorative suit of armor it was a thousand dollars and they sold, you know, whatever, 10,000 suits of armor. So they got $10,000, you know, $10 million. And then, you know, use that to build a fantasy MMO. And if you bought a suit of armor, you get to like have a character in this fantasy MMO. That would be like, that's not a security. That's a, you're buying a collectible, which is, you know, it, you're buying a collectible, which is, you know, the proceeds of which have gone to do the development of this game. And, in you know, that gaming company should treat it like proceeds and they should pay taxes on it, right? If they don't, if, if they don't spend that money in, in a year or whatever, right? Like, so they, there's a lot of like different rules around that versus selling a security. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, if you just think about it philosophically, it's not a security, right? It's, it I, agree. I, I also think 90% of the things that they think probably are securities philosophically are not securities. So I, I think I agree there. And it's interesting because I mean, one of the, obviously one of the qualifications for being a security is that you're purchasing it with the intention of, of making a profit. And you could definitely argue with a lot of these NFTs, people are just owning them, buying them because they want to own that NFT or participate in that game. And it really has nothing to do with selling exactly. it for a profit in the future. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's absolutely right, right? Somebody could buy anything with the intention of, of making a profit, but I think you have to look, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. So Take what you take Me what I say either, for everyone listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but I think it's it's pretty clear to me that a lot of people are buying projects because it's like a collectible, right? Like they're not buying, and most the the the, the default reason to buy a baseball card, or a comic book, or a Funko Pop, or whatever is not because you're trying. For most people, it's not because you're trying to flip it, right? For most people, you're buying it because you want to participate in this community. It's collectible. It's kind of cool. And that's the same, you know, there's so many projects like uh, Monkey Kingdom or something like that, or, you know, I just saw this one that I'm like, 
super jealous of that everyone has, which is the um, uh, the psychedelic NFT one. Um, cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And they're like pretty cool pieces of art. And like, you know, you want to participate in this project because it, it means something to you, you know, um, like this Monkey Kingdom one is like all about Asian heritage, you know, and like a lot of Asian entrepreneurs and stuff are supporting the project. So like, I don't know, that's, that should be allowed. You should be able to sell digital assets, right? And digital items. And, um, you know, maybe they have some in-game thing, but it's not like by default, it shouldn't be a security, right? Because you're yeah. not, you don't own any part of a company. You're not like, there's no proceeds being rewarded to you for like, part of, well, for the vast majority of projects, right? right? Like I think some projects are trying to create something like that, but yeah. for the vast majority of projects are not rewarding you proceeds from, you know, of that share of profits or something like that. So it's, yeah, you're just buying a digital in-game asset. Right. And you talked about being friends with the guys from Audius and them sort of being a bit of an inspiration. And I think that that's one of the most interesting stories surrounding NFTs is the ability for creators, musicians, artists, whatever, to really take back control of the way that they monetize or engage with, with their audience. And I think we're going to see just huge movement in that space. I mean, I think NFTs have been an incredible boon for the arts, right? Like where else could a young artist, new artist without that much, um, you know, following in, into the like gallery fine art world, be able to, you know, sell millions of dollars or even hundreds of thousands of dollars or even tens of thousands of dollars of their art Anything. and into their audience. Like the idea that, you know, NFTs are really an infrastructure, like the previous, like, let's call it, let's think about fine art. The previous fine art world was an infrastructure. It was like, there are all these like different art galleries with inexpensive places like, you know, New York or London or Aspen or, you know, Tokyo or wherever. And then there's all these like highly paid salespeople who would like hype the shit out of like people that they picked, you know, oftentimes they would have a financial reward for doing that. And then they'd be shilling these, this art. And then, you know, someone could like get in that world and rise up. Right. But it was affected. It was like not accessible. It was like only promoted a very few number of artists. And there was like kind of this, unspoken financial incentive among the, you know, the people who are participating in this economic market to like hype the shit out of like certain artists. And, you know, the NFT world has basically done what the internet did for, you know, information. It's like open that up to everyone, right? Like anyone can just create their own NFT collection. They can hype themselves up on Twitter they can like, you know, um, if, if their art is cool and has merit, people will say, that's cool. I want to buy it. And it's created this new engine, alternative engine uh, for artists uh, to make money and monetize uh, that hasn't existed before and start off with like maybe more digital, you know, digital art like JPEGs and, and stuff like that. But it's, you know, going to move to music, obviously video games is something I'm interested in and, and I think everything else. And what's interesting is that as a musician, you could basically create an avatar and a career entirely, you know, online without ever playing a show in the real world, right? And it was always about how many shows you could play and how much you could get paid to do it if you really wanted to make money as an artist. And that paradigm is somewhat going to shift. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I was talking to my uh, uh, friend, uh, Sasha Gray, who's a, a, you know, she's a DJ touring musician and she was like, being on Twitch is way better. <laughs> it's way yeah, better than that, everyone says that. I mean, anyone who like, yeah. I toured as a DJ for like, you know, almost two decades and you're basically just tired and uninspired all the time. Right. I mean, it's yeah. like you play, you get on a flight two hours after your set's done, you go to another city and you try again. Right. Yeah. And that's a, that's a lot better if you can create that experience from, you know, your studio. It really is, you know, and, and I, and I think that that's huge. And I mean, 
to, to, to wrap that up, you know, we talk about whether those are securities, those NFTs or not. Like if you went to a Rolling Stones concert and bought a t-shirt, it's merch, right? It's <laughs> yeah. not, it's not a security. You could sell it for more probably way down the road, but I think for most artists and stuff, that's really what NFTs is, right? It's just like, it's a piece of merchandise. It's a piece of the experience. It's a piece of ownership yeah. for the fan. hundred percent. It's a collectible. Yeah, absolutely. So where can everybody follow what you are doing after this conversation and uh, check out Fractal? Yeah, so uh, Fractal Twitter is at Fractal Wagme. And uh, you can check our, our Discord. It's linked from the Twitter. Uh, you know, I'm at Justin Khan, uh, Justin K-A-N. You know, it, it's, um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, I, I love the vision and I can't wait to have you back in like a year and see what the metaverse has become and how probably off base all of my ideas inevitably <laughs> will have been. That's all right. It's a, you know, it's an open, open ecosystem. So there's going to be like so much creativity. That's what I'm, that's what I'm super excited about. Well, I can't wait to see it. I just said wag me, right? Or is it wag my or wag me? I never know the pronunciation. I think it's wag me. Make it. wag me. Wag me. Wag me. For sure. All right. Thank you. All right. All right.